Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush is a podcast where we explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, you get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both your work and life outside the office with your family. In this episode, I'll be talking to Juliet Jenner, coach, speaker, actress, and founder of the Dynamic Voice Company, coaching corporate professionals to speak with influence, collaborate, and influence for career success. Juliet, you are one of my favorite people. So deep and insightful. Welcome to the show. Ah, oh, thanks, Nikki. It's so lovely to be here with you. Juliet, I know that you have an international audience, people who you coach from all around the world, senior leaders, to increase their voice and their narrative in terms of their career development. What is that all about? So, I love high performance. I love people who are trying to do big things and um, break ground and get to big places. And that often is found in corporate, but of course we coach entrepreneurs and you know people in all walks of, of life. That moment of realization that my career is not about me being the biggest expert and knowing the most and being the smartest person in the room, but actually there's a whole package around that that I need to understand and cultivate to, to build a career that is not only successful, it brings me joy and fulfillment because so often we find our clients are coming in top of their game peak performance moments in their lives but they're actually not in joy they're not they 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 near burnout they're miserable they feel inauthentic they haven't found their voice so what does that all mean and why is it so important well i think a part of me maybe i'm a bit of a rebel inside i always have had a very strong need to have my own voice and have my own opinion. I'm not likely to just follow the herd, which brings with it hardships sometimes as well. But what it has enabled me to do is to recognize the value of owning your own point of view and your own narrative. And there's something key in that as you develop and grow a career. So we all start out, we arrive into the business world, into an organization thinking, oh, I've got my degree, I've got my qualifications, now I'm all set. And then we discover that, no, it, well, everybody does. And there are a lot of people who know a lot more than us and are smarter than us and more capable than us. And so begins our journey of finding who we are in our career. Yeah, isn't it interesting? You know, uh, there's more to you than your qualification. There's more to you than your job description. And you really haven't arrived. That's just the opening act. Just literally, you just got in the room. Yeah. <laughs> And so what, what are those ingredients? What is that journey? And for me, it's a human journey. Whether you're, whether you're you know, working in a candle making factory, whether you're a chicken farmer, or whether you're in a corporate boardroom, that's the human journey, is working out who am I going to be on this planet? What is my contribution? What is my point of view? What is my truth? And how do I bring it in service of making things better? So I have a complete unashamed agenda. I want to encourage people to find what lights their hearts up with love, to find their narrative and make the world better. So that's my call. Because a lot of, a lot of what I teach in terms of how to influence, how to persuade, how to show up and speak well, how to understand how communication and conversation works and how, how storytelling and narrative work, people can go, oh, you know, that sounds quite manipulative. And yeah, you can use it for that. 
but it really is understanding how to be smart with humans, how to speak human. You know, what is that? And so in my journey as an actor, I think that that led me into this fascination with what is it to be human? And then by studying NLP and coaching and becoming a systemic constellations coach, which is a human systems coach, I love the dynamics between human beings. I love how power moves. I love how connection and collaboration work, how creativity moves through us and what makes us essentially human together. So into this, into this mix, if you want to focus it on a corporate leader, they have a task to work out what is their contribution? What is their point of view? What are they going to bring in service of this organization and their clients and customers, and therefore in service of the world that is going to add value? And that's quite a process. So they have been employed to add value to the business. They've got KPIs, they've got goals, they've got objectives and all of that. But you are clothing that um, in a personal fashion statement, for want of a better word, seeing as I've <laughs> used the word clothing. Um, you're helping them to dress up that contribution in a way that has personal meaning to them. So to connect their meaning and purpose to the mission. At hand. I think a good way to look at it, if you're an employer and you want someone to come into your company, you don't want someone to just come in and, and be a tick box, box job description and just a tick box meet the KPIs. Actually, what you want is someone to bring their unique talent and perspective and to do something even better than you could have ever dreamt of, right? Is, is that not really what we're looking for at the end of day? We, we're not looking for little matchbox people or cookie cardboard cutters, cookie yeah, cutter yeah. That, that's yeah cookie cutter people we're looking for individuals who bring their uniqueness to the into the room so what does this mean it means that you've got to know who you are you've got to know what are your talents and strengths what are your passions and joys what lights you up and then you've got to harness that to your KPI you've got to harness that to your skills and your job description and what you've been asked to come and fulfill. Have you got an example to share with us of how this plays out? Well, I think a classic example would be coaching a CEO into their transition. You know, what is a CEO? How do we define that? I mean, that's, that's a, it's an interesting question to ask because actually there are all sorts of ideas and, and CEOs have to really bring who they are so strongly into the organization and have such a breadth of capability in terms of connecting and harnessing people and holding vision and meeting shareholders and stakeholders and you know all those pieces and yet how is it that a CEO can move from industry to industry you know that you can actually be a professional CEO and so there's something interesting in who are you that someone says we think you would be a good fit for our organization that, that must, of course, that comes with a lot of business acumen and experience and knowledge, but many people have that. Why does that enable you to be a CEO? What is that magic? The that, X factor. That X factor that you can unlock. And that's actually a process of discovering yourself as a CEO. That's discovering your CEO voice. And what is the unique stamp you want to bring to that brand, to that role, to that position in this current moment? 
And I love that narrative journey because I'm not here to tell you what that is as a coach. I am a power presence, breathing body, voice, speaking, storytelling coach. Um, and I'm, I'm coming with obviously a, a coaching capability. I don't even call myself an executive coach, to be honest with you, because I, I feel like what I do is quite unique. I want you to come at that position, that role, understanding yourself and what are the ingredients you can bring to inhabit that role. And it's a bit like an actor. You know, an actor takes on a fictitious role in a fictitious story. You know, you are in a particular series of events in history and you undergo these difficulties. Challenges. Challenges, yeah. catastrophes to make the story interesting, right? But actually, that's what we're all doing every day is we are working out if I inhabit this role, if I put my hand up and say, yeah, I'm going to step into this role, we've got to work out not how did that person do the role or how do other people do the role. We've got to work out, yeah, we can draw on that, that's useful. We've got to work out how do I, how do I do CEO? How do I do speaker? Mm. You know, how do I do leader? So owning the space. Owning the space. Putting your name on it, putting your brand on it. But it's, there's even more an internal story that has to wake up around giving yourself permission to grow into that space and become, to create that space. I love that, to grow into it and, and become, because we're in a constant process of evolution and becoming. So I guess it's the vulnerability of acknowledging that we haven't arrived, that we're in a process yeah. of becoming. Yeah, endlessly. I mean, that, that is in a sense, you know, as my, my husband and partner, Al Prodgers, always says, is that creativity mm. is a process of becoming. That's, that's what we're all engaged in. So we're in. birthing the becoming. We're yeah. Be yeah. And, and I think that we have this opportunity, our, our, our jobs, our careers afford us an opportunity to discover ourselves as opposed to go and be something that someone else has defined. I love that. So stepping onto the journey of becoming, stepping into the process of becoming through whichever job it is that you have decided to accept right now, that is a pathway into yourself, just like becoming a parent is also a pathway of self-discovery. Mm. And if we can frame these things as adventures and be curious about them, then they're a whole lot less scary. Yes, and most people frame them as tests. Ah, and like of course we know that word is just <laughs> like brings up all <laughs> the fear in the world for everybody, yeah. very loaded. So we've got to go and improve ourselves. And yeah, sure, there is an element of having to to test yourself against norms and standards and results and bottom lines and those kinds of aspects. But there's something far more interesting at play, which is giving yourself the space to evolve into it. So if we, if we make that a little more practical, because mm -hmm. it can be a bit theoretical mm -hmm. and a bit abstract. We arrive on planet Earth and we get given a body, right? We've got this wonderful body that has to grow and become. We don't, we don't start out knowing how to walk and talk and um, everything, we actually mm. have to learn everything. I mean, we have we, to do life. We have to do life. Can't think it, you no, gotta do it. You gotta do it, you gotta practice it. And um, we even have to practice how to burp initially, right? And learn all those fundamental things. And we forget that because by the time kids are three, they're astonishing. So here we are and we go through this process and then we reach these peak opportunity moments in our lives, this leadership, this new role, this great, work, um, it doesn't have to be a, a new role, it could be a, a great work opportunity or project. 
and we go, oh, you know, how do I do that? I, I, I'm not all perfect yet. I'm not all sorted. But it's actually in doing it that you become it. And so I think that's quite liberating. But it does mean that you've got to start with your body. You've got to come back to, am I here? Am I in my body? Have I mastered my body? When I show up in the room with other people, can I behave like that role? So if we take the CEO example, can I inhabit CEO in my body? Can I take up leadership space? Can I inhabit powerful presence? What does that mean? And if I want to connect and build relationships, can I create relationship spaces with people? Can I architect that? Can I engineer that deliberately? And then if I want to persuade them and I want to bring them around to my point of view and I want to sell them on a concept, can I own that narrative? Can I inhabit and understand how that narrative works? Which means, you know, we throw this lovely word authenticity around. What does that mean? And for me, authenticity means understanding your personal power. What is uniquely you in your body, in your emotional life, in your thinking, in your creativity, in your skills and experience and personal resources that you bring into the room that specifically can make that room better? So what value can you add if you step into the space you have created? As I understood from what you've just yeah. said, it's about intentionally creating the spaces for that magic to happen and then being brave enough to step into them with all of yourself, not necessarily with all the right answers, not necessarily even knowing a thousand percent where this is going to lead, but being brave enough to do it anyway. Right. I love that. Yeah. Being brave enough. I think courage, you know, that, that Brene Brown courage and vulnerability picture is very useful. And I, but I also think it's, it, there's, there's something about embracing the experience of becoming from a place of joyfulness. We often find, you know, you talk about dancing with disruption, for example. Really, change and disruption are just these wonderful opportunities to create yourself, to discover yourself. So authenticity is not static. It's a process of every person, every event, every challenge unlocks an experience in me where I discover more about myself and being connected to yourself, listening, being in your body, being in your emotional life, managing that in front of other people is a discovery process. And you can't know how that's going to feel until you're there. You have to do it and be it, right? As you were saying, it's a present tense experience. And that I think that if we allow ourselves the the playfulness, the breathing room. You know, you've just been talking about how rituals give us breathing room to integrate and to experience. But if we allow ourselves the playfulness and the space to go into these big moments in our lives, the, new, the interview, the presentation, the new role, with a playfulness, a willingness to discover who we can be in that moment. Sort of those words that a child would use non-verbally, I wonder. Mm. I wonder dot dot dot. I wonder what this is going to be like. I wonder what it's going to feel like. I mm. wonder how this is going to turn out. Having a sense of wonder and a sense mm. of adventure versus outright fear or mm. outright needing to control every aspect of what's going to happen, which mm. sometimes then shuts down the learning opportunities. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's a classic thing with speakers, right? They they create these perfect presentations, they write them up, and then they try and memorize them. Gosh, that's so not me as a speaker. Can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, having memorized whole Shakespeare scripts, yeah. I know what it is to memorize something. And, and there are ways to do it, and you can do it. But it's a missed opportunity, right? And I, in fact, one of the, the things I've enjoyed doing most as an actress is improvise Shakespeare. So we memorize the script and we keep it perfect, word perfect, but we improvise everything else, including you don't know who you're gonna play the night you arrive. Oh my goodness, so now you, that, you that's like, a challenge. You flip coins, you, you're not, not sure which role mm. you're gonna get. Obviously you know the roles. So you might be the guard or you might be Hamlet or you might be Gertrude. And then the audience determines, the space determines, the props determine, whatever shows up determines, and you have to be authentic to what's there. So you have to be fully, fully prepared. You have to have absolute mastery over your content and you, you're fully integrated into that space of, I am a master in this content. And then you let it go and you have to be 100% present to the moment and what's coming at you. Now that is an extraordinary state that very few people actually achieve. And um, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to get to. So I love that about coaching. I love coaching behavior and performance. I love coaching people to realize they have enormous power in their voices. They have enormous power in their gestural language and their bodies because nonverbal communication um, has a massive impact on how, how our relationships pan out, how people perceive you, where they mm. put you in the power scale in the room. Can it's, you pick that up right yeah. now with this hybrid world we live in mm -hmm. with well, whatever percentage of your time you are spending in virtual situations. Now, as a speaker, I've been presenting virtually okay. for two and a half years. I'm now back in the room. It's absolutely wonderful, <laughs> but I'm still doing virtual presentations. And I talk about contrast and variety being very important to keep the attention of your audience because attention is the currency that runs between mm -hmm. us and our audience, whether it's a boardroom, a one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's standing on a stage with a mm -hmm. you know, hundred people or a thousand people, it doesn't matter. It is equally as important when you're in a virtual situation that you use gesture. And if you look at actors and actresses, they use body movement and gesture. If you look at a good um, anchor on TV, they don't just sit there, you know, with their arms at their sides and they don't move their heads and their eyes. There's a lot of movement. And it's one of the things that most people, the average person, hasn't worked out. So last week, in fact, it was yesterday, I was doing a presentation around hybrid leadership mm. virtually. And I do use a lot of this variety and I stand when I present virtually. Sometimes I sit in an armchair. If it's a cozy, intimate interaction, I'm coaching or something. But here I was the authority. And I was standing. And when you stand, you can move your body. I can do all these arm movements. I can move closer to the camera on my computer and further away. There's this variety. And you could see people were so like, they're not used to this. They're not used to someone who virtually presents in a big way. Mm. Um, but it's so important. And, and we have to get people to, I think what you used the words to like, step into themselves wherever they happen to be in front of a camera or um, just sitting in a meeting room is to be I think you use the word aligned your body is part of 
your talking. Your hand movements are part of your presentation. Your eyes are part of your presentation. Your voice is hugely important, as is lighting, of course. Hmm. And how often have we seen people presenting virtually with no light on their faces? And it's like there's no depth perception when you're watching Mm -hmm. because you get no cues off their face. So we're giving out cues all the time. And our audience is responding to that. So it's interesting because we were, you know, 90% in-room coaching company and then we became a fully 100% virtual coaching company for the last two and a half years as well. And what, I I mean, I even wrote, I wrote a a little e-book sort of white paper-esque piece on it right at the beginning of lockdown. And I said, this is what's coming. This is what you need to do. No one was able to take that in yet. But slowly it's filtered in over the last two and a half years. (laughs) And hybrid's not going away, right? Hybrid. So you now are very likely going to be building your career through a camera. So you better... You better learn how to do that. Yes, because the on-site, in-person thing will, will be the small part of your job. Yeah, depend, depending, but On definitely in corporate, yeah. there's a strong move and towards, towards yeah. that. And, and leadership, especially if you're leading across regions. You're not in, it's geographical. Mm. So um, the first really important thing is that just turn the camera on. <laughs> Because please, please, let's just start there. Because if your camera's off, I always say you better be an amazing voice artist. You better which is really, rare. Yeah, yeah, which is rare. And, and rightly so. I mean, most people have never had the opportunity to um, play this beautiful instrument called their voice. And it's stuck in little habit zones. It's stuck in little pitch ranges, repetitive patterns like rising inflection. At the end of everything I say, and then I'm going to say it again. And you're going to see, <laughs> you're going to get... So, enough already. Yeah, enough already. So, so we have um, already small voices. And so developing your voice is always a beautiful place to start learning to play that instrument, number one. But number two, turn your camera on and then occupy the space and realize that your body is speaking, whether it's still, whether it's dead, whether it's asleep, whether it's alive, it is speaking. And does it say what you wanted to say? People are still visual. They are responding to you as a picture, as a video. And now you're competing with Netflix and George Clooney and makeup and celebrities. So you better be amazing. And the thing is that it's not hard. It's easy. You know, our virtual communication webinars help people sort it out in 15 minutes. So often, if you just understand what the principles are of being in front of a camera, it transforms your online brand. And it is a game changer. If you're going into a new organization and you have to build relationship and brand with people, you don't have in-room currency, best you know how to do it amazingly. And if you're starting out in your career, Best you do it amazingly. And then now we're not even talking about leaders and senior leadership, you know, being able to harness Mm. people. But with the move, getting back into the room, grab those opportunities, go into the room as much as you can, get in front of people, because it is so much easier to build the relationship currencies that actually are those containers that your impact happens in. Mm. So there's, there's just too much information out there. I mean, we know this, right? There's too much information out there and we're being bombarded by information And you spoke about a bit earlier about the quality of attention. It's very difficult to deeply attend to that level of information. So now when you speak, when you show up, when you want to have impact in your career, you want people's attention. It's the biggest gift and the rarest gift Mm. they can give you. So number one, best you show up as your best self if they're giving it to you. 
and that's important. So then your body needs to be engaged. You need to be fully alive and present in the moment. You be, need to be working out of your confidence and resourcefulness, fully engaged in that relationship. So if you want to get people's attention, you have to bring your attention to them. And I think power presence is a way of describing focus, energy, attention. And that's, that's the wellness piece that we, we wanted to touch into because if you don't have energy, if you aren't well, if you're not feeling abundant, if you're not feeling grounded in yourself, it's very difficult to do that. Mm. We pass our baggage on to other people, don't we? It's yeah. infectious. Yeah. Yeah, it's, very, it's quite easy to shut a room down. We notice this when we're coaching teams and groups and um, someone presents and they do it really small. Other people struggle to break the mode. We've almost got to stop them, shake them up and get them going again. If the pers- first person presenting mm. starts on a high note, everyone else's game raises, you know, ups. Interesting. Isn't that funny? You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Very, we herd animals. We are herd animals. We are so deeply affected by who has power in the room where power is moving, what, that, what is happening in that dynamic, it has a profound effect on our own ability to show up. So as we move towards the end of this interview, I think you've just raised a really important point. I would like you to expand on this. So who's holding the energy in the room? Who's impacting the energy in the room? You've got a leader, a CEO, who's running a session, and you've got that one person in the room who's got that that, in, that energy that is toxic. How do you coach people to deal with that one toxic person in the group who is infecting everybody just by being in the room without even opening their mouth? How, how do you deal with that? Because it's part of your presence, that person's ste- stealing mm. energy from the room. Yeah, and it, it, it's an interesting one because it, there are always going to be competing agendas in the room. You know, it's very unusual that everyone is in perfect harmony in groups of people. And that's why we come together is to, to work on that. But if someone is being deliberately obstructive and toxic, I am a great believer in calling it and ring fencing it. Now, here's the challenge. What if they're much more senior than you are? What if they are much more powerful and they carry a lot more positional weight in the room? and therefore potentially influence in the room. Well, number one, never let them determine the quality of relationships you build with other people. You show up at your best and you connect with an open heart, with an intention to bring your value and you are purposeful and deliberate and you do that. So you continue to build the relationships you need to in the room, that's key. If they are sucking oxygen out of the room, I think it's useful to call it and go, I really get the feeling this isn't working for you. Would you like to give me feedback? Or, you know, I don't want to put words in people's mm, mouths, mm. but you want, to, you want to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And almost diffuse it by doing so. So you can diffuse it, or you can bring the real issue out that actually was nestling there. Or you can actually, sometimes it's, it's quite interesting, sometimes when you call it, it evap- evaporates. The person sometimes is not aware of what they're doing, and they're doing it unintentionally because they have low physical, situational awareness. And it, and it can possibly be even a powerful person can have low situational awareness. You know, we always assume that if someone is senior, they know better. They don't necessarily, mm. right? And so, I mean, I have even in, in very junior spaces seen people who've been able to find their voice, who have prepared, who bring their value with courage, who are able to generously turn to that leader with respect and say, I am getting the feeling this is not working for you. 
would you like to give me feedback? You know, is there another way we should do this? I really would like to make this work. I'm here to serve the group. What is your take on this? And it's amazing what that can open up. So there's a piece mm. of courage here around, I love to say to people that power can force us to collude with the wrong things. Oh, that's very juicy. Right? So we collude with power because we think we have to. And South Africans particularly, though having coached people all over the world, I can tell you this is human, we love authority. And we're very, very good at, at um, being compliant. So we don't want to rock the boat, we don't want to challenge, or we can take that on as an identity piece and feel like I can be that person in the room, I'm happy to challenge, you've got those people in the room. But most people are actually very, um, very desirous of not rocking the boat. Mm. So I, I always say that don't look at the title, don't look at the position, look at the human. Connect mm. with the human. Because if you connect with a human being, and you connect with solving the problem together, adding value together, finding common ground together, even someone who feels toxic, if you can find common ground with them as a human, like we are all here to make things better. We are all here to serve our organization. We are all here to contribute. I'm feeling that this is not working for you. What is your take on this, right? So the common ground might be that everyone has the best intentions for the company or for the meeting in the end, at the end of the day, they want a productive meeting, is to then go to that place together. Find what together you agree on is a powerful way of, of shifting dynamics. But it takes courage because you've got to be in your narrative. You've got to know what your purpose, what is a good outcome for you in that meeting. Because if you are, are not willing to A, stand in your truth, or you're just going to give up your truth to say yes to anybody else's, a, you don't move the situation forward and you will probably resent the situation afterwards or feel like you've, you've lost an opportunity. We're talking quite theoretically here. Mm. But B, I think there's also, there's a missed opportunity for bringing the diversity of thinking into the room that's so required more than ever. Mm, mm. And if somebody challenges your leader, CEO, outrightly, overtly. It's not just the toxic energy sitting in the corner of the room, but it's like an outright challenge, which mm. can derail a meeting, can derail a, a speech. And it's actually happening more and more. It happened mm. at a, a recent financial services event that somebody stood up and asked a very inappropriate question in a press briefing. Um, and and it, it really derailed this whole event. Mm. Mm. How do you take back control when that happens? Well, I think if something is, is blatantly or outright inappropriate, again, is to say, that's an interesting question. I'm interested you felt it was appropriate to raise it here. Plainly, it's important for you. I will take it offline with you, but it's not appropriate for this forum. You know, we, we, so you bring it back you to bring center. It back to center. Mm. It's again, it's calling the truth of the moment. It takes a lot of courage to A, recognize, and the confidence to recognize that it's inappropriate. Mm. Because we will give our, again, we'll collude and give our authority away in that moment. And our power. And our power. And just try and... and placate. Placate yeah. or, or um, look like we have the answers to everything when sometimes we don't. You know, there's another classic one. When you actually don't know the answer is to say, that's an interesting question. I don't have an answer top of mind to you, but I'm interested in finding the answer. I'm interested in exploring that question because I think it has merit. 
or that's inappropriate for this forum because I believe we're trying to do something else, but I am interested in having that conversation mm. with you. Let's set up a time. So having the courage to be generous with somebody mm. so and you not go into war. You acknowledge, but you position it, and then you play for time. Yeah, playing for time. Divert, divert play for time. You're saying we will, we will deal with this, but not now. Yeah, and that's okay because I'm leading this conversation. I'm determining the flow right, that's important, mm. is that the speaker is the leader. I don't care if someone's more powerful than you, more senior than mm. you in the room. If it is your conversation, you're the speaker. In that moment, you lead that conversation and you've got to take ownership of that space. It's funny, I mean, often people who get in front of very powerful senior people, let's say you're presenting to the board or you're presenting mm. to the exco, you feel like they're the leaders, but actually, and then you don't behave like the leader. Yeah. So we want you to bring your body and your intention to be the leader of the conversation, even if you're not the leader of the group. So what comes first, the intention or the body movement? You've mentioned so many different aspects today, and I know they all need to integrate and come together. But you obviously coach and train people, and if they're feeling very nervous, what comes first? What, what is the anchor for them to step into that moment? Is it the body? Is it how they physically show up first? What is it? Well, it's interesting because in some ways it's quite personal, finding your own route into it. But a general rule of thumb is that nervousness happens to the body. So you, you cannot think yourself out of adrenaline. You actually have to warm your body up. You've got to breathe. You've got to reactivate your parasympathetic nervous system. But more importantly, what we say to people is nervousness, for example, is just energy. Mm. And it's a lot of energy. And that energy mm. is making you hyper alert and prepared to deal with something high stakes. So how can you harness it? You focus it and channel it through performance. So that's through your body through connecting to the right place emotionally. So you learn emotional state management, which is a focus. You learn physical state management, which is a performance body. And there's a vocal aspect to that. So you learn to channel it through your breath into your voice, and you channel it in through your intention into your message. So if you have a clear story, a clear message, and you channel it through your voice and body, and then there's the last magic piece, that's the game changer piece, is that you connect. When you connect with people and you channel your energy into the relationship space, because we're social, we're herd animals, connection wakes up the right parts in our brain and unlocks our creativity, our generosity, our groundedness, and our ability to handle the moment. So by connecting with your audience, in a connected body, mm. with emotional connection, connected to your story, you find your performance. So it's, it's a multifaceted um, approach that we, we, literally pro, uh, we literally coach body work, we coach breathing, emotional self-management, we coach voice, we coach storytelling, we coach improv, we coach relationship. Mm. Mm. And it all because comes together. they come together into this act called high performance yeah and it's a game changer that was such an interesting way to end this conversation because as a speaker in the early years you used to be all worried about your content yes and can i remember everything 
And now as a much more seasoned speaker, I tend to walk into the room, set myself up, and then I walk into the audience. Yeah. And I go and do exactly what you were saying there, is connect with the audience. I go and introduce myself, ask people about their lives, what they're experiencing now. So by the time I get onto the stage, I've warmed up, they're warmed up, we've connected, there's a mm. sense of something else going on in the room. It's not this coming in cold. And I've got stories from the audience to bring mm. into Beautiful. my presentation. But that's only come with experience mm. and with maturity mm. as a speaker. But I do think that as you said that, you know, you're talking about emotional state management, physical state management, voice state management. As you said, connection, I went, that's the part that's authentic, that makes us real, that if we show interest in our people before we even open our mouths on the stage or, you know, when we stand up to do the business side of things, mm -hmm. we will have already broken the ice. We will have mm. built those connections, those dotted mm. lines to people mm. um, in a way that actually makes the space safer for us and safer for them. Well, safety is knowing that someone's in charge, they have the courage to hold it, and that they're bringing value, and that no one's going to be humiliated or undermined. You know, there, there are lots of aspects of mm. safety that come through connection. So by building connection, connection is the beginning and end of everything. By building connection, which means I've got to connect to myself, mm. I've got to connect to my story, and not just my information intellectually, I've got to know why it's important and mm. valuable, and then I've got to connect to you, and then I've got to connect my story to you to serve you. Yeah. So that process of connection is fundamentally human, and if you do that, and I love the way you describe you do it as a speaker, that's so intuitively smart, Nikki, well done. But you can't do that if you're like on a stage with big lights, you get what I'm saying. When you're coming yeah. from the back of the stage, it's... it's You've got to work certain, harder at it. Yeah, only in certain kinds in of rooms that you can do it. But, but yeah. you can even do it through a camera. Yeah. You know, in hybrid, virtual, the job of the leader is to connect through a camera. Yeah. And it's possible, you can learn how to do it. You know, more and more we're realizing the camera teaches us that, that actually leadership is, is very strongly a performance. It's a peak moment. Um, it's not just about being smart and having skill, it's about being able to connect with people. It's about using the moment of engagement yep. to build people and to obviously work in the direction of the agenda yeah. uh, of what you're trying to achieve. Juliet, this has been so fascinating. I could sit here and talk to you for another hour or two. I know that um, we've got so much synchronicity and synergy and you just spark things off in me and I get all excited about communication and about performance. What struck me most in this conversation was of course that you can increase the power of your voice, which is not necessarily the level of your voice, but the voice is how you show up in the world, your body, your voice, everything, your intention. And that can shift the narrative that you build around who you are, which is important if you are carving out a brand for yourself, carving out a direction, carving out an expectation uh, for yourself and, and an expectation that others have for you. And you talked about wellness. And I always think that Success without satisfaction is empty. Mm. You can get to the goal, but if you get there and you don't feel that sense of satisfaction because it doesn't spark joy and wellness for you, then mm. it probably wasn't worth the ride unless it's part of a bigger agenda that you needed to tick something you know, off your list uh, mm. to get to where you need to be. 
So um, that, that was big for me. And you talked about how power moves, the dance of power. And we're not talking about power over people. We're just talking about presence, the power mm-hmm. of presence, uh, and that it does develop a life of its own and that we bring that power to our peak moments. Um, and if we're aware of how the dance of power works, we can maximize it in those peak moments. You also said in doing it, you become it. You could read all the books in the world about mm. power and presence and impact, but if you don't practice it, you're never going to master it. And clearly you have this amazing track record with being an actress of learning all of these things. I loved your story about having to learn the entire script and then being told at the last minute which role you're going to be playing. Maybe you'll be the god. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll be the god. Um, and, and the fact that we need to embrace the experience of becoming and ask that question of, you know, what is my contribution going to be? Mm. And to always be adding value wherever you are uh, through whatever voice you bring to the table. And then the final piece that I really, really loved was this line. Be smart with humans, speak human. (laughs) I think that's going to be something I'm going to write down and stick on the wall in front of my computer and read every single day because through the pandemic, we've realized vulnerability and authenticity are important traits to bring to the table and a lot of people don't know what that means but I think this line be smart with humans and speak human Mm. actually kind of embodies all of that where can our listeners get hold of you if they'd like some coaching if they would like to engage you for their team and then once you've shared those contact details do you have a final piece of advice for our listeners to help them win at work and life (laughs) So our website is the easiest place to get hold of us and it's www.dynamicvoice.co.za and yeah, you know, speaking human, what is the most powerful language of human? It's love. And that means you come with abundance and confidence and resourcefulness and you're willing to show up and share who you are and you're willing to find other people in the room and engage with who they are. And together you make magic. Magic doesn't happen if there isn't the willingness to love each other in, in the greater sense of the word, which is, is about find the best in each other. So I think the universal human language is love. Juliet, what a beautiful note to end on. Thank you for sharing so abundantly and so generously with us today. To our listeners, I would love to hear your takeaways from this podcast with our inspiring guest. Please drop your comments and suggestions in the chat below or email me at info at And of course, please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too.